Good morning, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, February 1st. 2019. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in Bill's story on page five. We're going to be starting on the second paragraph, reading through four paragraphs. Today's readers are, thank you for your service, Barb E., Lauren N., and Jenna A. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's this tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deanne S. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Deanne. Deanne, press star one. Can you hear me now? I'm so yeah. sorry. Hi. Nope. No problem. Go ahead, Deanne. Okay. Okay, good morning. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank Thank you, you, Deanne F. Appreciate it. I will now ask for Christina L. to read the 12 Traditions. Go ahead, Christina. Good morning. Here are the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Christina L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic, the literature we we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to please identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, though, that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are in Bill's story on page five, starting at the second paragraph. Gradually, things got worse. Going through four paragraphs, ending with being just that. I'm going to ask Barbara E. to get us started. Go ahead, Barbara. Thank you very much, Amy, and welcome to chilly February, everyone. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My, my wife and father-in-law became ill. Then I got a promising business opportunity. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious bender and the chance vanished. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I'd written lots of sweet promises, 
but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I'd taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near, be, seemed near being just that. That is my story. Please start my timer if you would, dear Amy. Wow, how does this relate to my life? Food ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Ever, nevertheless, I still thought I could control this situation, and there were periods of white-knuckled abstinence, which renewed my hope. But gradually, things got worse. I went from Godiva and eclairs to whole boxes of Twinkies and family-sized potato chips. My way of eating kept me isolated from my family and my life. I stopped on the way to work for an Egg McMuffin and an apple pie so that I could face the morning. I went into the teacher's room multiple times to gorge on the sweets that had been put on the table for everyone to share. On the way home, I stopped again to fortify myself. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control my problem. Maybe not today, but tomorrow for sure. Delusional? Yes. Serious problem? Definitely. Willing to face reality? Never. Gigantic food binges at inappropriate times when I needed to have my wits about me. Preparing an assignment for college or graduate school. Leaving my toddlers alone in their crib to drive down to the center because I was compelled to get food. Canceling appointments because I'd eaten so much the night before I was sick. The only test in life I ever got 100% on was this series of OA questions listed under, is food a problem for you? Yes, and so was life. I was spiritually and emotionally bankrupt. I've worked my through, I have worked my way through the 12 steps so many times, five times actually, and I'm still a work in progress. Four decades of promises to conquer my compulsive overeating, followed by repeated failure. I was hopeless. I knew I'd never live to see my children grown. Sometimes I went out deliberately to get food. Often I didn't even put a fight. Someone pushed something in front of my face at the te- in the teacher's room and said, go on, everyone, enjoy. And I did, over and over again. I was so grateful to come into OA and learn that I have a disease and there is a solution. It's physical, emotional, and spiritual maturity. I am still a baby, but I am learning slowly, slowly, slowly to turn negative emotions into positive ones, to pray ASAP, as they say, always stopping to pray, to use every tool in my toolkit. If I'm feeling hunger, I have to ask myself, thank you, is it craving or or genuine hunger? I know the difference today. Thank everyone. Stay warm. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Okay, so we're going to take a list of names of who would like to share. 
Uh, just a note, if you have shared in the last day or so, if you would give priority to those who have not, that would be wonderful. Okay, so who would like to share on this wonderful Friday? Marie J. Nancy P. Jan S. Marie J. Ten R. Rowena. Marina. Marina, what's your last initial, please? K. Marina K. Okay, so I have Mary Mary J, I believe, Nancy P, Jan S, Marie J, Ken R, Marina K. So we're going to start with those six. Wow, thanks, everyone. It was very politely done. Much appreciated. Mary J, it's your turn. Please go ahead. I think it's Marie J. You might have me down twice. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, then, Marie, I'm going to put you in here. Marie J., thank you. And I can take another person if it's someone else would like to chime in. Anita B. Anita B. Gotcha. Okay. Jody so let me go through that again. Marie J., J., Nancy P., Jan S., Ken R., Marina K., Anita B., and Jody E.Q. All right. Go ahead, Marie J. Okay. Thanks. Hi. It's Marie J., and I am a recovered compulsive eater in Colorado. And um, what I'd like to say is I didn't lose my house or my job or, you know, any really serious things in my life because I was obese and a, custom, and a compulsive reader. But I almost got a divorce because of my self-pity and my blaming my husband for everything. And I was completely blind to my selfishness. I judged and I blamed my husband for everything and especially for all of my unhappiness and loneliness. And I was very self-centered and I abused him and my expectations of him and my children were so far beyond perfection. And I had expectations of myself that were similar, but I just pushed and pushed and I always believed everything was right. I, or I was right in everything. And, um, there were all kinds of problems in my life. So I don't, I don't have the same kind of problems that Bill had because it wasn't a drunk, but the food still did the same thing to me and numbed me out. And I didn't even see, I was so blind to my life. And I was so close to divorce. My business was not successful. I was never making enough money, but none of it was my fault and I couldn't see it. I was just completely blind, and that baffles me to this day. You know, I couldn't see how any of this was my problem or my responsibility. And I would go on diets, and I would lose weight, and then I would go back to eating the exact same insane way and all the exact same insane behaviors because I just couldn't stop eating sugar once I got started. So in that way, I'm exactly like Bill. And through this book and through these instructions, I was able to get abstinent. And when I got abstinent, the fog in my head cleared. And my, my, my behaviors became real to me. You know, they were revealed. I saw what I was doing. And I can see clearly now today how selfish and self-centered I was and how badly I treated my husband and my children and my body. And I'm really amazed that the longer that I stay in this recovery program, this 
revelation of how numbed out I was to everything. I've got almost six years in, in program and dealing with my life and dealing with the built up of my human emotions and dealing with all of this without the food. And it's a hard path, but it's very rewarding. And what I know today is that my worst day today is far better than my best day before recovery. And I get to feel my emotions, and I mostly get to have this fellowship with my family, the people who know exactly what's going on and who know me at depth. Thanks. I pass. Thank you for sharing. Nancy P., you're up. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Yeah, this is the type of thing that, um, as the speaker was um, sharing, I couldn't get um, I had to get out of my house in the morning without eating compulsively so that my husband couldn't see and my kids couldn't see, but I couldn't get to work without stopping. And then I couldn't get from my, where I parked my car to my desk without stopping. And then I, I could maybe get, you know, an hour or so in, you know, I'd get, get stop and buy a, you know, um, at the coffee shops um, on campus, I would um, stop and buy a couple of like gigantic, scones or bagels or something like that and then I would eat them as fast as I could walking to my office and then again when they were gone I would be desperate to get more and did I have enough I was always like did I have enough did I have enough did I have enough and um, you know until I was brought to my knees um, and had to surrender and you know I I say you know the, the whole thing about we've I've, I tried before took a solemn oath, with and without a solemn oath, but with me it was with, with, with and without tears. I begged God to, to basically just make me thin so that I could and not have me stop eating. That's what I wanted to do. And when I really, really was, you know, on my back, on my face in the mud, and I really surrendered and I really put the food down, I, um, a whole new world opened up to me. And um, I have chased spiritual growth since... I came into vision, and I can say that I've had some monumental challenges in my life, the likes of which I never, you know, the things that I used to eat over that seemed catastrophic to me are chump change compared to what I've gone through in the last 15 months. And, um, you know, I really believe that, you know, my higher power was waiting for the right moment so that I definitely would be able to get through these things. And i got to say, I've, you know, I haven't eaten during any of these life situations that have come up, job stuff, family stuff, kids stuff, you know, world stuff, you know, things that upset me um, just in, in my life. And some of them, you know, very close to me that have been, that have felt me in the last, you know, the things that brought me in here were me trying to outrun my fear and my pain and my rage. And I never could do that. And I tried hard. Um, and I know everybody knows what that's like because we all tried hard to outrun that stuff with food. And I couldn't do it until I got into the steps in a way that, you know, I mean, I've read the, the big book about 9 billion times. I've been in this program since 1971, you know, and, you know, I used to go to big book meetings and we'd read and I'd smirk to myself and say to myself, can you imagine doing all that work? <laughs> you know, like, no way. And, um, you know, once I surrendered, in fact, it wasn't that hard, in fact. You know, I was done in a couple of months and um, who knew, right? And so today, you know, I do have challenges and, and some of them quite, 
quite recent, like this week. <laughs> and, and you know what? Food and eating never occurred to me the same way that my laundry doesn't occur to me, you know, until it needs to be done. Um, so, you know, I have to say that, you know, the key to all of it, I'll wrap up, the key to all of it is working with other people, is fellowship, is being with other people. Uh, every step brings me to the 12th step, and the 12th step brings me to all the other steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Jan F., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Vision family, thank you so much for hearing my name today. It's always a pleasure to be in participation. Um, anyway, I am Jan uh Gratefully recovered, grateful, really recovered, compulsive reader from St. Augustine, Florida, um, coming up on seven years, and uh, a blessing for sure. But um, what I really relate to Bill's story, be, and and not necessarily from the whole monetary loss, but. Um, for me, it was a loss of spirit, just dead in the heart, dead in the feelings, dead in the food. That's all I wanted was to be dead in the food. And you can be sure if anybody passed anything in front of me, I wasn't turning it down. Never did. Couldn't understand for the life of me why I couldn't keep the food down all the promises, all the resolves, every morning, after binging through the night, waking up and binging every night, could not stop. Couldn't keep that promise to myself. Okay, today's the day, today's the day. Uh, there were no days. There was no time. There was no peace in my life. It was just the food and the deadening, the deadness of the spirit um, and that's me. I was either just comatose in and not feeling or raging. That was what my family knew. So uh, for today, I understand that until I could clearly accept the fact that I have this disease, I am I am a, I'm an addict when it comes to food. There are certain foods that I cannot put in, put in my body. And that's okay today. That's really okay today. Because there are some that I am truly allergic to where I could end up in the hospital and be very sick, and I don't have issue with those, you know. They affect me in a different way, but specific foods affect me in the way that once I ingest them, I cannot stop. And that's finally, finally something that I have accepted in my life. And I have, for the grace of God, been relieved of this obsession. But I couldn't put it down unless I had something else to do because I used the food as my solution every day to dealing with anything that was going on, problems with my teenagers, problems at my job, screw you, I'll fix you, and I would eat. But being able to... Uh, absorb and live the 12 steps as my way of living has changed that for me. I do not have to react or respond to situations, people, places, or things without, without my higher power 
or the 12 steps in this recovery program. I do everything today with my higher power that I choose to call God. If I do not wake up and spend my time in reading and quiet prayer and meditation and writing, my day is off kilter. I cannot afford a day like that because those thinking and that crazy behavior comes right back to me. So I understand today and fully accept that I have an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body that only the God of my understanding can can fix for me. And that's fine. It's a divine solution. And my life has never been better. And I've been in OA program since 1978, left and came back, been back for 36 years. This is it. It's the last house on the left for me. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else giving away what I've been so generously given and continuing to work and help other people in and out of the rooms to just walk my life in God's peace and be a powerful example to do his will, not mine. Thank you. Bye. Have a great day. Ken R., you're up. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I just had to unmute my phone. There we go. Uh, Ken, overeater. I'm fairly new to OA, but I says um, I feel good. I have a sponsor, and he told me about these phone meetings, and uh, it was good to um, it was good to hear the story and Bill and uh, my sponsor told me to replace alcohol with food and everything. Yeah, and I'm powerless over food. Uh, there were times I uh, I says you know I was gonna be on a diet, and I go to uh, I'd go to another meeting in another fellowship and they had cookies out i would have a couple of cookies and before you know it that's a trigger food for me and i'd eat half the bag you know what i mean and i says uh and that night a lot of times i says maybe i'll just have a snack before i go to bed and then i eat something and then all of a sudden i'm making sandwiches and stuff like that and a bowl of ice cream you know i says uh it's crazy you know i says i'm powerless you know i says i uh i don't want my health to go down the tubes uh, i'm starting to do good now I says, I'm on it and everything like that. And, you know, I don't want to substitute something for a higher power. You know, I says, I have a belief in a higher power and stuff like that. And, you know, I said, my sponsor said something to me. And I says, uh, he said, uh, if you could do it, if you could do it, you would have done it already. So I think he was talking about the higher power. And I got to look at that. You know what I mean? That was a pretty profound statement he made. And I got to take my inventory to see how that applies to my life. But it blew me away. You know what I mean? I says, um... I do believe in a higher power, but I'm not sure if he's working in my life. <laughs> I'm not to what extent he works in my life, you know. And I says, um, but that's where I'm gonna, you know, uh, you know, uh, look at myself and my situation better, and everything like that, you know. And I says, I, uh, I was glad I, I was going to face to face OA meetings too. You know, really helps. And I'm getting numbers and. Um, yeah, my, my sponsor wants me to call three people a day, and I says, yes, so I called a couple of people yesterday. I haven't called people today, but I'm going to, you know, but I think it's the whole process of having a sponsor, going to meetings, and working the steps, you know, and, uh, and he says, uh, he was telling me how the big book is OA-approved conference material and everything like that, which is good, you know. I have a big book and everything like that. I just got to pick it up. That's my biggest thing is that, you know, I got to pick it up and read it. That's the only thing I got to do. You know, but I got to take this so serious and everything like that, you know. And 
It's good to be here. Yeah, he, he told me about these uh, phone meetings, and I went to one last night, and it was really good, and people were sharing their telephone numbers, which was good because I got a call, as I said, three people a day and everything like that. And I says, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. And, uh, uh, yeah, I says, um, I'm probably, I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm going to I've got to take my inventory what i got to do today. You know, I says, I'm, I'm going to get some exercise, and that's one thing I like to do is exercise. Even though I'm overweight, and I knew that, you know, I used to go to the gym a lot, and uh, I was overweight and everything like that. And I says, you know, Time. but Time, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I thank you guys. Thank you, and welcome, Tom. Great to have you on the. I uh, wait. Welcome, Ken. Glad to have you on the line. Rowena, Rowena K. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, I just realized that I shared yesterday, so I'm going to pause. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Anita B., it's your turn. Okay. Thanks. Good morning. Um, yeah, I relate so much to Bill's story, even in the past reading uh, part of this, that, you know, highs, lows arrived was his worst. All of those things, um, you know, was part of food for me, you know. Did it matter how I felt or what was going on? It was all food. And uh, the part that stood out today was, you know, so many times during this time before OA, after OA, I meant business. And uh, did it matter how much I meant business if I wasn't going to bring God or this book into my life? You know, I meant business while I was at that meeting. And then when I left, I don't know what happened to my business. I forgot all about it. So um, that part just really stood out to me today. And uh, I'm working on my fourth step once again after so many times. And, uh, you know, I hope I don't just mean business today. I'm hoping that, um, you know, I have God with me, guiding me, directing me, helping me do this program like my hair's on fire. I hear that so much, and I've been trying to visualize that to help me um, because I don't know how to do this in my life. I'm so 55, you know, I did my life a certain way, and now I need to change it. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it today. That's what I see. You know, he had a good business deal. You know, I have a good life. And when when it was good, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do this like my hair's on fire, but today I'm thinking clearly. I'm seeing things more clearly, especially about myself, and that is what I want to hold on to today. So I thank everyone who shares, who doesn't share, who listens, who reads, because it has meant a lot to me. So thanks for letting me share today. Thank you, Anita B. Jody EQ, it is your turn. Thank you and very much. Friendly, and just a friendly reminder to all, um, as we take our next group of readers after Jody, if we could just focus on those paragraphs that were read, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, Jody, go ahead. Okay. Good morning, everyone. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in California. I'm going to focus my share on the first little paragraph that we read. Gradually, things got worse. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My wife and father-in-law became ill. 
that is a whole lot of stuff happening, heavy-duty stuff that he says very little about. Very little. They say that this disease of alcoholism is a family disease. It affects everyone around the drinker. And this is telling us that. Big things are happening around him. But he doesn't say much about it. Why doesn't he? Is it because he wasn't really that concerned about his family? He was just concerned about himself? Maybe. I, I'm sure he loved his family to some extent. What I've heard, it, I've heard it said that he and his father-in-law did not get along. His father-in-law did not appreciate Bill in the least. And still he had to go and live with his father-in-law and mother. And then, and then they become ill. It's just a horrible situation. It sounds absolutely horrible. In my case, uh, I slowly but surely destroyed my marriage because of my disease. Sweet relationships were dead. I'm a relatively high bottom compulsive eater. Uh, Really, when I read this story, I think, no, I did not reach the depths of despair that Bill reached, except in my relationships. Whether I was abstinent or not abstinent, I was equally unavailable to my husband. I tried. I did my best, but it it was far from adequate. And it's, uh, I just, I'm grateful today that he and I can be friends, thanks to the 12 steps, I believe. But it was, it was uh, just obsession with myself and my, my weight, my food, my program. And I just did not give enough attention to him. Anyway, I do believe that all things are as they are for a reason, and uh, I'm grateful. Anyway, I just wanted to focus on that one paragraph because it's so much happening in one in so few sentences. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. Okay, just a reminder to everyone where we are. We're on page five, uh, starting with the paragraph, gradually things got worse, going through four paragraphs there. Um, also, I need to beg y'all's pardon. I forgot to give the meeting numbers for uh, yesterday's meeting, so I will give those at the end as well as today's meeting number. So if you want to have a pen and paper ready, I apologize for that, but I will get them out there. Okay, so who would like to share? Ross Rachel. Jason S. Rachel. Larry. Colin G. Larry K. Darian K. Rachel W. Madam. Madam. Esther C. Madam. Come on, Matt. Okay, I think, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to everybody, but this is who I've got. Russ M., Larry K., Harlan G., Darian K., Rachel W., Matt M. Okay, Uh sorry for those I missed, but we've got the second hour coming up. So, all right, Russ M., please go ahead. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, fellas. Russ, I'm recovered compulsive over here outside of Philly. 
You know, the thing that stands out to me on this is that, you know, that the business deal, like about three times when I was in business, I had a couple things that were set up for me, set up for me. And I, you know, I got tight right at the wrong time, right? And it blew up and it cost, you know, it, 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 it really, you know, if I, if I hit those, I, I, it would have been fine, but I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the, the, the emotion of it or having to really be responsible. You know, I wanted everything in life without working for it. I wanted it to just be easier. I wanted it my way. And, you know, I screwed those up because I, I was, you know, I dealt with things through, through this, through the disease, you know, it was, that, that sticks out to me. And then, you know, the thing where he went on that bender, you know, so many times I, I went on a bender and, you know, I'm going to start tomorrow or I, I, you know, right now, that's it. It's done. We're done. And, you know, and then I'm trying to figure out why the hell I'm back in the food again. It, uh, I just identify so much with Bill and uh, this, this story, it's another one that changed my life because we're going to see how he, you know, how things went for him and how, what he did for all of us. So really that's the only point I wanted to make was those business deals and, and just always slipping back into the food for so long. And uh, that it's, it's just a miracle. It's a miracle that, that I have right this second sitting in traffic, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, stealing from my kids communion money or stealing from, you know, my, 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 you know. Russ, we lost you or someone's unmuted. Are you still there, Russ? All right. Well, I guess we'll move on. Thank you, Russ, so much for sharing. Larry Kay, it's your turn. Go ahead. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. Um, Larry K recovered this morning. You know, yeah, things things did uh, gradually get worse for me. Um, not so gradually at times. <laughs> they really escalated. I'll give you an example. Well, I can think back. Um, it wasn't. It was not rare for me to sit down with a half a gallon of uh, ice cream. And my wife and I were married at the time, and we had just purchased a new home and. I was a corner cutter, you know, I, I look for the easier, softer way in so many ways in my life. And so there it was, I had freedom with my work. I was teaching at the time and it's 1030 in the morning and there I am nursing my half gallon of ice cream in front of the TV. My wife, of course, left for work. And this was the way that I lived my life. This is the quicksand that I was in. And there I was with that half gallon of ice cream, you know, and um, in my underwear, essentially, right? in front of the TV, shades drawn, not a pretty picture. And then I hear some keys rattling at the front door. No time to escape. I hear my wife's voice. I hear some other voices. See, she was on her way to an event, and there, it was, it was, uh, they were passing our new home, and she was going to show her friends our new home. The shame and the remorse as they entered the home. There I am, disheveled. I wasn't drunk like a gutter drunk, but I might as well have been, right? I couldn't get rid of the evidence. What sort of explanation did I have? There was much more than just binging my brains out. There was the constant shame because if I could keep it hidden, 
then maybe things were okay. But in that case, I couldn't keep it hidden. Yes, gradually things got worse. See, we, we thrash around in the quicksand and we try to extricate ourselves from the quicksand and Bill's gonna try to do that and we're gonna see the descent into the hell of this disease. And I can relate to that uh, so much and the pain, it wasn't just physical pain, there was that, but there was emotional pain. So my half, you know, my, my half a gallon of Haggadahs, I wasn't just hurting myself. She, she had to explain to her friends and I had to, to just kind of have my tail between my legs. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Harlan G., you're up. Please go ahead. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Gradually, things got worse. Worse? What do you mean worse? Well, yesterday we read about Bill, and what he was essentially doing was going on a diet. He was self-imposing his own willpower into his consumption of liquor, which we know doesn't work. If it worked, there wouldn't be 400 of us on the line this morning searching for recovery. Things got worse And what happens here when it says, then I got a promising business opportunity, what happened, this took place in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, there were two gentlemen, Wheeler and Winans, and they put together a group to buy because stocks had hit about as low a point in 1932 as they could get. So it was an opportunity to buy. And they contacted Bill Wilson through a mutual friend. And Bill's reputation as a very smart investment counselor, had preceded his reputation as an alcoholic. And they approached him, and they said to him, but if you're going to get drunk, we don't want to deal with you. And he said he was on one of his diets. So he, but he didn't know anything about alcoholism. And he says to them in all earnesty, he says, oh, you don't have to worry about that. I don't drink anymore. And they met in a hotel in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And they were meeting about this investment deal. And a guy passes around a bottle, a jug of Jersey Lightning. This was in the days of Prohibition. And it's homemade hooch, it's homemade whiskey. Goes around once, Bill doesn't take a drink. And then the guy says something that all of us have had said to us. Hey, I made this myself. You can fit in. Hey, this is kosher. Hey, this is gluten-free. Hey, this is vegan. Whatever it is. We've all heard this. We've all been experiencing this. And Bill Wilson, because of his mental twist and the buildup of human emotions, takes a drink of whiskey. And he doesn't come out of that hotel room in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, for three more days. And they just left him there. They just left him there. And he had to go back to Lois and go back to everybody and say, another chance slipped through my fingers because I'm drunk up here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Lois, and you need to come get me because I have no money. So once again... He woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take as much as one drink. I was through forever. He was embarrassed. He was humiliated. He's like Larry sitting there in his underwear. Before then, he had written lots of sweet promises, but but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. What's he doing there? He's reaffirming that he's going back on a diet, and shortly afterward, he came home drunk. Excuse me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Harlan. Darian Kay, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Star one to unmute. Hi there, Darian Kay here. That's Can you hear me? I okay, thank you. you. <laughs> Lots of buttons to press. Um, yeah, I. Oh, it's so good to hear everybody, and thank you so much for this incredible meeting. Um, I do need to say that this this story is just amazing. Um, I really feel like I did myself such a disservice, uh, you know, in the past, sort of reading quickly through it and trying to get to how it works. I just need to get to how it works. I don't, you know, the other stuff must not be important. And boy, this stuff is incredible. Um, and and what I could relate to, um, and I think some other people have spoken about it, is relationships. Um, and when I qualify, I always say that. I'm, I really feel like I'm sticking around in program to uh, work on my relationships. It will always be relationships, um, whether it's you know with the people I live with, the people I work with, myself, obviously, and, and, and me and my, and my higher power. I mean, there's always going to be something or someone that I'm relating to, um, even though sometimes I'd like to be on a mountaintop and not be relating, because in my mind, I think that's the answer, and it would be much easier. <laughs> um, just get rid of the relating, and then I'll be fine. Um, but that's not human nature, and that's not the way the world works. And so, um, you know, I just have to work on myself. And there's so much work to do. And you know, I'm 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 barking on that fourth step in the writing. And it was so interesting because um, my boyfriend was copying the pages for me, and. He was looking at them, and he said something like, "Well, I benefit from this," <laughs> and I had to laugh to myself because, um, yeah, you're going to benefit from this definitely um, because I'm going to be working on looking at my part in, in certain areas of my life, uh, especially with the relationships I have. And um, you know, I'm just so grateful, so grateful that I have this program in my life all these years. So grateful that I have wise, wise people that have gone before me that can walk me through this and and then I can make my relationships better and my life in turn will become better because I can live with myself and feel better about myself because I'm treating the people in my life better. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Darian. Okay, Rachel W., your turn. Good morning and thank you so much for your service and to everyone on the line that did service and to everyone for being here. Um, you know, I, I, as an addict, I have an acceptance problem. <laughs> I think that's my main dilemma is, is who do I become when I don't get my way? And um, when I'm reading this paragraph about the things that Bill is going through, you know, if, if you take it apart, it's like that, that's kind of life. Like people do get sick and um, nobody wants to lose their home. But the question for me is, you know, how would a person who's not an addict actually handle these situations? So when I see the word gradually, I don't look at it as gradually things got worse externally. I believe gradually things were getting worse internally because it is possible to go through life situations in a, in a sober, recovered, emotionally sober way. Um, and in this, in this paragraph, I think what's coming out for me and what I'm relating to is, um, is, you, you know, when, when, you know, yeah, there's things that happen that I really don't want, you know, I want them my way, 
But there's also life that just happens that I was just trying to control everything. I was, I was God. I, I really was my own God for so long. And, um, and the other piece here that I, I think was my, my main issue as a food addict, and I will just say this because I've heard it said from professionals and speakers that food addiction is the most difficult one, and I don't want to negate anything anyone's gone through with any other addiction. But when Bill says he picked up the first drink, I think we all know what he's talking about, you know. But in this program, Food Fellowship, what is that first drink? That first drink has to be crystal clear to me what it is. It has to have boundaries. It has to, have, it has to be spoken out. Anytime, even in abstinence, where I'm confronted with a situation where there's a food issue, and they happen all the time, <laughs> but when there's a food, you know, it's a different situations, I'm with family or on a trip, I just came back from a trip. I mean, there's things that, that ha- so it's kind of like, what do I do now and what do I do now? And I think that for me, you know, that ha- making that decision in my mind and keeping it in the dark is a really dangerous thing to do. And instead, what I do is I need to bring that into the light and, and bring it into, and I'm not only talking about, you know, the food itself, obviously that, that is, that also has to be very clear, but also just in my behaviors or in my decisions. Um, I think the, you know, for me, the real, the real place that I really, really need my higher power most is an understanding exactly what is that first drink for me? What is abstinence for me? You know, what, what does it mean? And, um, and I just, I'm just so grateful to be here and, and on this meeting and, um, Really grateful for everybody to, you know, to start our day like this. We, we Thank you so much. It's freezing, but we've got sunshine, so we're good. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, Matt M., we've got time for you. We've got time for a few people, actually. Go ahead, Matt. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a good post over eater. I'm getting ready to go to an appointment, but I wanted to make sure I shared before I left. Um, gradually, things got worse. You know, for me, things got worse after my family passed away. I started to pack on the pounds. I definitely realized at a younger age that I was compulsive over here. I didn't know what to do about it. I I started programming in 2007 uh, after my family passed away, but before that I was dying of uh, a slow, painful death. I was up to almost 700 pounds of, of reacting on uh, acting on life, you know, not uh, reacting to life, not doing the right thing, keep myself in the food. The food would save my life because I would I would have committed suicide, and I I could definitely. Re- Matt, we lost yes. you. There you are. Oh, You're back. Okay. My, I gave up a lot of educational opportunities to do the food. That Bill gave up work opportunities. You know, I gave up educa- I lost my scholarship because I was been busy, busy binging instead of studying. I lost a lot of things that I'm not proud of. But you know what? Things happen the way they happen, and I have to accept it and move on. I can sit here very easily and sit here and poo-poo myself and say, oh, you're this, you're that, other things. But you know what? It's in the past. I will, not, I will not regret the past, nor wish to just store in it. I want to um, act on life rather than react to it as it's a new way of living. I'm very grateful. I have good friends in my life who look up, I can look up to. I have good friends in the program. I have a sponsor that cares about me. I'm finally getting honest with him about what's going on in my life, and we're working together. I'm very grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Okay, so we actually have time for one Maybe two people if they split the time. Melissa C. What? Veronica okay. C. Oh. Jason S. I got Jason Melissa S. C. And then there was Monica, I think it was. Was it Monica? Yes. Did I? Okay. All right, Brandy so, K. Sorry, gang. All I've got, it's uh, basically if you guys want to split it like by two minutes each, we can get you both in. Okay? 
Melissa C., go ahead. Hi, great. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what, what grabs me is um, the, just the selfishness um, when these tragedies are striking, when these tragedies are, are befalling Bill, because, you know, his drinking m- might not have had anything to do with the death of people around him, you know, because um, even abstinent, you know, even sober, people tragedies happen people die and um and so like so what what are we going to do about it you know um he doesn't even in the retelling of the story it's like it's it's unimportant it's and and that i can completely relate to because um when tragedies befell me you know before um before i became recovered before i really you know understood what i had um my response was this is happening to me. You know, I could not see that there were other people around me in pain. Nowhere in this do I hear, you know, Bill saying, my poor wife, you know, my my heart's breaking for her. Let me, you know, let me see what I can do to make life sweet again for us. It was, um, let me get on top again. Let me, let me win again. You know, things are getting worse. Um, and then the other thing that grabbed me is, you know, yeah, the lack of um, being able to think clearly, like someone shoves a bite of something your way, and not even a thought. It is, you know, for me it was I suffered from food senility. I could not remember in those moments that I had decided that I wasn't going to eat, first of all. couldn't remember that. And secondly, I couldn't remember in those moments that, I had no control once I took that bite. I really thought that I could control it again. And so, you know, what needed to be replaced? Uh, thinking about other people. Um, and that that's really what I wanted to share. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Monica T., you're up. We've got uh, about two minutes. If you could go ahead, that would be great. Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. I'll have to talk real fast here. I woke up. How many times did I wake up? You know, he's finally realizing he's got a problem. I finally realized somewhere along the way that I had a problem with food. That there were certain foods I knew if I ate them, I just would go crazy. So, okay, I'm going to stop doing this, right? My new diet every day. And then the next paragraph, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight where had been my high resolved. I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Now, Bill is really wanting to stop. He's desiring it. He's wanting it. And he drinks again. How many times? Find myself pounding on the bar. How did I do this again? He doesn't realize he's got a problem with his thinking. I didn't realize I had a problem with my thinking. And I really wanted to stop. And a lot of determination and willpower went into it. I'm totally 100% powerless. Here is the unmanageability, that second part of step one. I cannot do this on my own. Why is it I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do? That was my life for years. There's a mental obsession. When that thought enters my mind, it's the most powerful thought, and there's nothing else that can come in there. And it says to me, it's okay. It's a lie, and I believe it every time. So he's realizing here there's something wrong with his thinking, and only God can take care of this, and I pass. 
Fabulous, Monica. What a great way to end the meeting. Thank you, everyone who has shared, and thank you all to our readers and everyone who chipped in for your service. Please join us for a second hour of unrecorded study immediately following the closing of this meeting. Now, to get to the ID, share IDs for the meetings. For today's meeting, February 1st, it's 12,491, 12491. And for yesterday's meetings, and again, I apologize for, for getting that up front, January 31st, that's Thursday, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,486, 12486. And for the 10 a.m. Thursday, January 31st meeting, 12,488, 12488. Okay, we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lauren N., could you please go ahead? Good morning, Amy. Can you hear me? I can. Great. This is Lauren N., Compulsive Overeater Sugar Addict from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if, you, if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.